Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to The Chris and Joe Show on Big Blue View Radio, your go-to source for New York Giants analysis. Pressure from Thomas off the edge. Eli Manning stays on his feet. Airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. Welcome back to the Chris and Joe Show, presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum. We broke down the film, and we're here to discuss the key things that came from the Giants' loss to the San Francisco 49ers, a loss that was completely out of hand towards the second half and and the end of the game. They allowed the 49ers to completely dominate them, despite having primarily backup players on the field. One of the things that we talked about during the Quick Take show is that this was a clear indication of a better coach team that has players that are ready to step in and step up despite not being in the regular rotation. And when we watch the film, the big theme for today's episode, what we learned is that there are some glaring holes that became very, very blatantly obvious from this past game. There are specific spots on the in the personnel of this roster that have not been fixed in Dave Gettleman's time and still need to be fixed this upcoming offseason. If Dave Gettleman is the one making those decisions or not, they need to be addressed if the Giants want to end this cycle of continuous lack of ability to perform in games that they need to play at the top level. We want to get to all those points, but the, the one thing that circles back to something we talked about on the quick take show, Chris was Daniel Jones's struggles to find open receivers. We were able to confirm our assumptions by watching the tape. And also from some data analytics from NFL's next gen stats, he had the highest tight coverage throw percentage at 25% and the average separation for receivers on the giants was not good at all. Evan Ingram had a decent day with about four yards, but everybody was close to around two And I think C.J. Board didn't even get over one yard of separation. So that is really, really not what you want to see from your receivers. And it's either them struggling to get open or a lack of ability to scheme them open. Yeah, in fact, I would say that's a problem on both ends. Uh, Jason Garrett has typically relied on receivers to be their own separators. Uh, He doesn't use a whole lot of route combinations that are designed to create separation. Pat Shermer did that a lot, but Ben McAdoo and Jason Garrett, they both kind of believe a little bit more in isolation routes. They they like their guys to win with their own route running. And that's just something the Giants receivers, other than Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram, who's helped out a little bit by being a tight end, uh, just nature of their alignments they tend to get a little bit more separation. The Giants receivers just do not separate well. And that was one of the concerns coming in. Uh, 
when he had him on, when we had him on, Dan Pizzuto raised that concern that the Giants receivers aren't natural separators outside of Sterling Shepard. And we are seeing that. And then there's also Daniel Jones. He just keeps attempting passes into tight windows. And again, part of that is because he doesn't have any choice. The receivers aren't opening the windows. Part of it is the scheme and part of it is his decision-making process. And that's part of the reason why we, we saw basically the exact same interception thrown two weeks in a row. There was another interception where the defender just straight up dropped it. Those things are a problem. And he doesn't get the rookie pass anymore, even though he hasn't started a full 16 games. Yeah. He is in his second year as the giant starter. And what makes things so much worse in my opinion is like you said, it's you know it's the second year he doesn't get the rookie pass anymore, but he's really not getting a lot of help from his receivers, and that's proven by statistical fact that he's just not getting open receivers to get the ball to, and in some cases he's trying a little bit too hard. That's not an excuse for Daniel Jones. That still needs to be Daniel Jones finding better better opportunities to get the ball out and create some yardage instead of still forcing it into tight areas. But one thing that we've learned after three weeks is that this style of offense is not working very well for the Giants receivers. You talked about it, how Dan Pazuda pointed it out to us before the season, and you also painted a really good picture of how these receivers and the Giants are just not good at creating their own separation. It is a lot of isolation routes, and Golden Tate is not the same player he used to be. He's on the older side for a receiver, not able to get open as effectively as he usually is. We've barely seen a lot of production from him. Darius Slayton, since that first big game, teams have been very aggressive in trying to shut him down and not allowing him to get open over the top. I can't even remember the last time we've seen Darius Slayton have a, a opportunity to make a play off of a deep route because he's just not getting open or Daniel Jones is getting rid of it too quickly to a receiver that is in tight coverage. It also doesn't help that Sterling Shepard is not on the field to be the only guy who can create a little bit more of separation. So this receiving group is just not working with what Jason Garrett is trying to run. And on top of that, Daniel Jones is prone to still forcing the ball out of his hands to get it somewhere, even if those opportunities aren't there. He's a second-year player, and he doesn't know when not to force the ball. That's become very clear after multiple weeks of interceptions. So something has to give at this point. There needs to be some type of an adjustment in the offensive philosophy if if this type of play calling is just not leading to open receivers. The only guy that's getting open is Evan Ingram, and he has not been entirely consistent with catching the ball. No, he hasn't been consistent, and yet there was some excitement, you know, in the off season about you know Jason Garrett, how much success he has had with Jason Witten, and you know, the tight ends in Dallas. That you know this could be a breakout year for Evan Ingram, but we're still seeing Ingram in a lot of the same roles and usage and route designs that we've seen him in the last three years, where you know a lot of shallow concepts. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, comeback routes, you know, th- the Giants just are not using his athletic upside to its fullest potential. They're really treating him a lot more like a big possession receiver than a potential big play threat and, you know, a downfield threat. They, they aren't attacking the seams of defenses with him. The a 
attempted trick play was interesting, and given his speed, that could have been a big play, but the execution of it was just bad. So, you know, it's frustrating to see that the Giants don't have the weapons they thought they would, and the weapons they do have, just they can't seem to get the potential out of them. Chris, the one big thing on offense that transitioned into our conversation about personnel issues that has now come into full picture for us is Nick Gates' struggles at center. It has become very clear that Gates is just not capable of getting the job done as a starting center. And I understand the guy's only played three games at the position, but at, at some point you have to realize he just doesn't have what it takes to play that position. There are a lot of plays from the past few games and very specifically against this game against the 49ers where he's just straight up not blocking anybody. He's missing players going to the second level. His angles are very poor. He uh, is making mistakes in picking up the right players in pass protection and sliding the wrong way instead of reading the pressure that's coming towards him. He's also not properly engaging with interior defensive linemen, leading to a lot of upfront pressure on rushing plays. And I hate to blame one guy in particular for problems, but Nick Gates is a, a, a very weak spot when the Giants try to run the ball between both B-gaps. They just can't get any push from that spot because Nick Gates is constantly allowing penetration. Yeah, And you know, off-air, we were both wondering if maybe the Giants guards, who we expected to be the, the strong point of this offensive line, the foundation of this offensive line, we, wa- we wondered if they were trying too hard to compensate for Gates, and that has led to their own regression decrease in level of play, however you want to term it. Really, the Giants offensive line as a whole is not playing well. And you don't want to say it starts with Nick Gates, but the center is an important position. And he is really struggling. He's struggling with his technique, uh, keeping his pad level down. Like you talk about reading pressure, picking up the correct guy on stunts and twists and blitzes. And it's... The Giants, I think, almost have to be wondering if it's time to give Spencer Pulley a try. Maybe not bench Nick Gates per se, but just say you're. We like you, but you're not ready yet. You know, we need a steady presence in the middle. Just if only to get our protection calls right. This isn't something that's going to happen, but I'm just spitballing here, Chris. Neither of us are satisfied with Cam Fleming at right tackle. If you wanted to shake things up, which you honestly should consider that in the next few weeks, shaking things up, you can't point to much on the offensive line working right now. So if there is constant problems, it takes moving things around, giving that a shot. So maybe putting Pulley in at center for a game in a couple weeks from now and then moving Gates to right tackle where he's a little bit more natural at and see how that works. I, I, I think that with no preseason... And with what we're dealing with right now and the constant issues with the offensive line, trying something like that might be worth it. I, I doubt it will happen, but it's definitely worth it. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, Maybe his issues with pad level do come from being primarily a offensive tackle in the NFL where you don't have a six foot two, 300 pound, 330 pound nose tackle coming at you from a foot away you know it's it's really difficult to snap the ball and get your hands up get in your set 
and we are really seeing him struggle with losing his leverage, uh, not striking correctly. And that just makes it way too easy for these defensive linemen. And granted, the Giants have faced nothing but good defensive lines. But looking at their schedule for the rest of the year, they're facing nothing but good defensive lines. The next three games are against the Rams with Aaron Donald, the Cowboys with their defensive line, and then I believe it's Washington with their defensive line. And I, you, know, you have to assume Chase Young will be back healthy by then. Yeah, none of those matchups are, are very good to deal with, especially for a guy that is still figuring out the position. Maybe that is when you have to say, if there's one more bad game from Nick Gates, we need to start swapping guys around. And I wouldn't bench him. That's why I suggested that. I wouldn't bench him. He has potential. He has shown potential. But the one position, the only position on the offensive line that he hasn't shown consistent potential is the center position. There's been a bit of a drop-off just from my perspective of seeing what he's done. Move him back to where he's more comfortable. Guard or tackle and see if that can possibly work out. Again, I, I have I doubt that they'll actually do that, but it's a it's a viable option for an offensive line that just is not clicking right now. And just before we move on, I just I, I checked real quick. I need to correct myself. The or the Giants' next seven games, yeah, seven are the Rams, the Cowboys, the Washington Football Team, the Eagles, the Buccaneers, Washington, and then the Eagles again. So there really is no let up when it comes to quality, good, dangerous defensive lines. So this is a problem the Giants need to get figured out soonest. Certainly, there is not going to be a week for a while where they can spend some time figuring things out. If anything, this week against the 49ers was their weakest matchup. So expect a lot more problems if they don't start shifting guys around and experimenting with different lineups with guys at different positions. We're going to switch to talking about some of the defensive personnel issues. Before we get to that, though, we're going to take a really short commercial break. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Speaking of defensive line, Chris, this Giants defensive line still flashes a lot of potential. There is a, a very strong group with Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, BJ Hill rotating, and also Dalvin Tomlinson going in there, creating a lot of problems for interior linemen. There are a lot of plays against the 49ers early on where I saw them driving guys back way into the backfield, especially Dalvin Tomlinson, who is known for doing that. 
and creating some confusion because all these guys were getting driven back. But that's that's sadly a, that's a positive thing, but also leads to a negative. A clear personnel problem on defense is that the Giants lack a premier pass rusher. So when they on passing plays, the defensive line creates these issues, pressures the pocket, closes down up the middle. Offenses are fully capable of handling the Giants' pass rushers with their tackles on an island. They don't need any assistance. Trent Williams and Mike McGlinchey were on their own for a lot of the game against Lorenzo Carter, Kyler Fackrell, Marcus Golden, whoever was in there. That reasoning for being able to handle guys one-on-one is why that they're not able to get as much sack production as I think that this Giants defense is capable of having. That has to be something that's addressed. And it's not easy to, to go and draft a pass rusher early and him immediately lead to sack production. This might be a position where if someone is available in this next upcoming free agent class, they just need to stop playing around and go and spend the money. Agreed. And I would also say they need to go draft a guy. O'Shane Zimnez is a nice player. He's probably, a, I would say, a good rotational edge the same with Kyler Fackrell we went back and forth during our pre-show notes trying to figure out a a good way to classify Lorenzo Carter and he's fine he's an edge player who can do some things coming downhill he can drop into coverage a little bit but he is not anybody offenses really need to be scared of he could probably be capable of starting on a good defense but he's not going to be the reason why a defense is good, if that makes any sense. Yeah, the, the Giants really don't have that ace pass rusher who offenses need to game plan for. They need to be aware of. They don't have anyone who really scares anybody. I mean, right now, Marcus Golden is only playing about 20 snaps a game. He's getting paid quite a bit of money to sit on the bench to as good as the Giants' defensive tackles are, they don't really have anybody who can take advantage of the attention that they demand or the push that they're able to generate. Exactly. They need a player that takes advantage of the interior being overwhelmed by the pressure that is created by guys like Dexter Lawrence and Dalvin Tomlinson. They do a really good job. They press the pocket up the middle. But Nick Mullins... Didn't really see a lot of outside pressure. He saw guys, his offensive linemen's backs close to him, but was not getting really contested a lot. There were some plays, but just not enough that you want to get on any quarterback. A quarterback like Nick Mullins is going to do well if he's not being properly pressured. A lot of the sack production, you might notice, comes from having to send blitzes and pressure that way. You, you see it with uh, with the play with Blake Martinez, who came flying up the middle because the offensive line was so desperately trying to slow down the big Giants defensive lineman that he came untouched to hit Nick Mullins. That's a good play, but you need guys that can do it naturally. You can't always scheme quarterback pressure with blitzes. It's just not going to work. And you, you bring up a good point about Lorenzo Carter, who I think is a very good player. And he's going to be a good edge defender if he continues to grow and develop the way that we've seen him grow and develop. But he is not a natural 10 to 15 sack production guy. The Giants have not had a guy like that for a very, very long time. Really, the last guy they had like that was JPP. Perhaps somewhat ironically has continued to rack up sacks since being traded to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, By my count, he has had 
23 sacks since being traded. And that's with having to come back from a broken neck suffered in a car accident. Devin Kennard, the outside linebacker slash edge, he, ha- he has had 16 sacks since leaving the Giants. You know, that's almost 40 sacks that have walked out the door. And the Giants really don't have anybody to replace them. You know, they are able to scheme pressure with blitzes. We saw Blake Martinez get the sack early yesterday. But you know, the, the blitzing, it's not consistent. It puts a lot of strain on the secondary. And James Bradbury can hold up, but the other guys are not as stout. If offenses can figure out the Giants' blitz packages, they can exploit them. Again, speaking of this Giants defensive line, a, a group that we will likely continue to talk up and, and promote as being a, a underrated strength on this defense. If you notice what they do on, on rushing plays, they do exactly their job, which is filling rushing lanes, allowing linebackers to come clean things up. But if you watch the Giants linebackers, besides Blake Martinez, there's really not a, a player that you can point to that is doing that cleaning up. So if Blake Martinez is blocked just a little bit and, and knocked off his path or has to cut underneath past somebody and he's not in that right position, there's nobody else to make a tackle. And I think that's what leads to plays that should be one to two yard gains or even losses with tackles for losses by linebackers end up turning into five to six yard gains, even 10 to 15 yard gains. I just don't see that from anybody who a weak side linebacker with this group who can consistently get the job done. Devontae Downs to me is not a guy who, who, who is effective as a run defender. It, it seems like he, he disappears on tape when I'm watching games. I have to actively look for him and he always seems like he's getting to the play after it's completely done. The Giants need to go and find a linebacker. Again, it seems like we're beating this thing to death here with talking about what the Giants need to go and draft to fix their problems. But it's been so long since the Giants drafted a linebacker high. They need to draft somebody highly to fix this problem. They need a game breaker if they want to fix their issues with defending the run and also uh, on all facets of their game because nobody is getting the job done for this Giants team. And it, maybe if David Mayo was in there, it'd be a little bit better. But right now, Devontae Downs not getting it done for me. Yeah, you know, we've brought up Micah Parsons before. Uh, I think Giants fans are going to get very familiar with the name Dylan Moses at Alabama. This is another year where there will be good linebackers available. The Giants just need to select one of them or at least believe themselves to be in a position where one of them is a solid value for them. This defense does have pieces. You know, their defensive tackle rotation is maybe not strictly disruptive, but it is good. It is able to create opportunities for the rest of the defense. They just don't have many other guys who are able to capitalize and take advantage of those opportunities. And once offenses kind of hit their rhythm, uh, pick up on the Giants' tendencies, the Giants just don't have anybody who can come up with the big plays to get offenses off the field. That's something we saw a lot against San Francisco. That's something we saw earlier against Chicago until Mitchell Trubisky went full Trubisky in the second half. And in the first half against the Steelers before Roethlisberger really hit his stride. And yeah. If the Giants' defense is up against an offense that isn't making mistakes, they really struggle to get off the field when they need to. And part of that, I think, is the lack of a 
impact a real true impact linebacker uh it's the lack of a an edge rusher that can really scare offenses and generate a pass rush on his own and it's the fact that that right now they only have one real dependable lockdown piece in the secondary in james bradbury it's just that they've got pieces they just don't have really much holding them together and I'd like to say when talking about these personnel issues, the reason why we keep bringing them up and the reason why we're going to probably keep bringing them up throughout the season is because teams are going to continue to exploit them. We've seen three straight weeks now where offensively and defensively, the Giants opponents have exploited the very specific things that we bring up. They exploit Nick Gates. They exploit the Giants linebacking core and and attacking their, their weak side. And also exploiting when Nate Ebner is on the field because of an injury. That is a very specific instance just from this game. But teams, that's how they win. They exploit weaknesses. They don't ride their strengths. A good coach is going to find what you're bad at and continually attack it until they have won. And that is exactly what has led to all three of these losses, is opposing coaching staffs acknowledging that these are the key points of of issues for the Giants, and that is going to be a week-in and week-out thing until the Giants can fill these these very specific spots. It's not something that's going to fix overnight just from going over it and practice with the guys that are currently there. If the guys aren't getting it done for multiple seasons now and also for multiple games this season, it's something that's just not going to get fixed. It needs to get fixed by bringing in different guys. It does, and you know, there's a specific name we haven't mentioned yet. Uh, we aren't going to. I think the biggest takeaway from the Giants' loss to San Francisco is really the difference in their roster. What the Giants' roster is, and they're pretty healthy. You know, yes, they don't have Saquon Barkley, they don't have Xavier McKinney, they don't have Sterling Shepard. But compared to the players San Francisco had on the sidelines and back in their training facilities, back you know, back at home, the Giants are healthy. They just could not compare with the backups and practice squatters of a team that was in the Super Bowl. So to me, that just tells you how far away the Giants roster is from where they want to be, where they think they should be. Yeah, speaking of the you know injury issues and something that we just want to wrap the show up with is the issues with not having Jabril Peppers. And according to Ian Rappaport, it was a low ankle sprain that might not have been as bad as it looked, but still an ankle injury to a defensive back is very critical for being able to move. It's almost not worth having a guy out there a week after an ankle injury if he's a defensive back, because if you can't cut and move properly on a dime, you're effectively useless. And that, again, going on attacking weaknesses, you're going to get torched by an opposing offense. So Nate Ebner seemingly is the the next man in in dime packages. Chris, you you brought up in our notes here that he had 13 defensive snaps, which is 13 snaps too many. I I would just like to talk about how if they don't find a way to rotate somebody in, that is going to be such a problem for the next few games until Peppers is healthy. Yeah, you know, we after the game, each of the last two weeks, we said we were kind of talking about you know how much Nate Ebner played, but then when you actually get a look at the snap counts, he didn't play much. It was like you know ten, maybe fifteen snaps in either game. But it just seems like every time he is on the field, offenses recognize the fact and go after him. He is you know something I said to Joe before our before the show started. He is 
like Lawrence Taylor in that offenses make a point of knowing, always knowing where he is on the field. But unlike LT, where they had to know where he was to make sure he didn't wreck the play, they make a point of knowing where Nate Ebner is so they know where to go with the ball. And, you know, it's, I'm not quite sure what the answer is looking at their depth chart. Uh, maybe try Corey Ballantyne at safety. Uh, he didn't get any defensive snaps this week as a cornerback or at any position. You know, maybe try him at safety. He's a physical player. He can come downhill in a hurry. Why not? Ebner is basically the bizarro Lawrence Taylor like you brought up. It's the complete opposite of what what you want with the defensive player. They want to know where he is when he's on the field because they know if we force the ball in that direction, we're probably going to pick up a first down. The guy is just not meant to play defense. And I don't mean to completely crap on him and knock him down. He is a fantastic special teams player, which is great to have on your roster. But he is not meant to play defense. He's a former rugby player who is effective at doing very specific niche things on a roster. Nothing else is, is, is he is capable. He's not capable of doing anything defensively. Nothing works for him defensively. He, he doesn't move, move well at an elite level. I don't even know if he, if he really knows where he needs to be and, and how to read things in front of him. There's a clear lack of football IQ for him. And again, I don't mean to crap on him, but now we are forced to talk about the problems that he is causing for this Giants defense because he is 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 on the field and has to play. And you brought up, I, I think Corey Ballantyne has to get out there and get on the field in some capacity because right now, like who else is playing safety for them? Julian Love has made a lot of good tackles and plays, cleaning things up after some mixed missed plays uh, by other players in the Giants defense. Logan Ryan has done a pretty effective job uh, playing tight ends here and there. He hasn't been perfect, but I, I think he's working as that that movement piece, like we talked about what he's capable of being. But they need to find somebody else with no Xavier McKinney and Jabril Peppers. Otherwise, things are going to continually get more ugly. Yeah, there, there's a pretty big difference between manning a zone, being aware of route combinations, route concepts, uh, running backs, tight ends, guys going to be coming into, exiting your zone, picking him up, passing him off. Uh, if you're in man coverage, playing with proper technique, not basically getting stacked and shed by the receiver. And there's a big difference between that and being a disciplined defender on special teams, you know, knowing your assignment, knowing your lane and just staying to that. Yeah, there yes, it's still running around on a football field and hitting dudes, but mentally it's just, it's it's just not the same. <laughs> Just to kind of put in perspective how desperate the Giants might be at safety, they should likely go out and sign anyone who's available to fix this in the meantime, just to, to put a Band-Aid on the issue. But maybe a possible solution, and this is cr going to sound crazy, but a possible solution is working Tay Crowder in at strong safety and dime packages. Maybe that would work because he is very good with defending the pass. He's obviously a linebacker. He's a little bit more compact and athletic. Maybe that's a possible solution because, again, you look at this depth chart and I implore our listeners to pull up and look at the depth chart. There's nobody else to really point to on this Giants team and say, hey, he could go out there and fill in at strong safety. Yeah. In fact, I think something like trying Corey Ballantyne, try, uh, trying Tay Crowder, hoping Jabril Peppers is able to get healthy and not just back on the field, but healthy sooner rather than later really is the Giants' best option at this point because – spending money uh making 
puzzling midseason trades to acquire players. You know, we, we've seen that before, and it's kind of gotten the team to where it is now. Certainly, and, and the issues on this, this Giants roster continue to mount. Hopefully there is some type of solution that we're not seeing in front of us that they can do to fix this, this, this secondary issue. Thanks for tuning in, folks, as we discuss the personnel glaring holes that the Giants need to fix. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to follow us on social media. You can follow me at Joe DeLeon. You can follow Chris at RaptorMKII. You can also follow Big Blue View at Big Blue View on Twitter and Instagram. Also, head to BigBlueView.com for more New York Giants news and analysis. <laughs>